Welcome to the Notes with Friends podcast, hosted by me, Jody Moore Lewis, where I interview women, artists, creatives, and entrepreneurs about little notes of life, courage, wisdom, love, and curiosity. Excited for you to join the chat. Happy, happy Friday, everybody. What is up? What what is up? What's going on? <laughs> um, welcome to another episode of Notes with Friends. I'll make this little intro really short as it's our last weekend of our show. Anyone who listens who came out, I just want to say thank you so much for supporting and coming out to our show. We sold out all both nights last weekend and both nights this weekend, which is incredible incredible and ah so amazing so thank you so much if you couldn't get out to make it or couldn't snag tickets we should be doing another show in the fall so you know I will be plugging that eventually uh today we have one of my be home company members Amanda Perez with me on the podcast known Amanda for for a couple years now and she is just New York through and through. She is funny. She is honest and grounded and blunt and driven and passionate. And she is an incredible woman and actress and director and teacher. And I'm so happy to have her on. What's really cool about Amanda's story is she knew pretty early on what she wanted to do with her life. And where she wanted to put her expression and her voice. And she's never shied away from it ever since. And I think that's really amazing chatting with someone who is so solid in their foundation and in the direction of life that they want to go that it really – it's infectious. It makes you really want to like look at yourself and be like, yeah, like – it makes you want to believe in yourself just as much, you know? It's it's a really amazing conversation because with her confidence, she's still very humble and she's still very raw and honest about how the industry really is a tough thing to navigate, but how she wouldn't want it any other way. There's no other profession or career or life path other than acting itself for her and storytelling and I'll just let you hear it from her herself. Amanda Perez is a theater film and television actor who graduated from the prestigious high school of performing arts in New York. Amanda has also performed in various readings and plays with the Labyrinth Theater Company in New York. And she most recently joined the IIMA family here in Los Angeles with the New Works Festival in First Comes the Egg. She has recurred on Netflix's On the Verge and CBS's How We Roll. She has numerous guest star credits, which include Fox's Brooklyn Nine-Nine, ABC's Mom and Modern Family, and Netflix's The Kaminsky Method. She can also recently be seen in NBC's Night Court. You can find Amanda in films, such as Chips, directed by Dak Shepard, Summoned alongside Cuba Gooding Jr., and Don John, opposite Scarlett Johansson. She's also a proud member of the Marjorie Valentine Studio, who you've heard several of her members and Be Home players here on the podcast. Let's listen to Amanda's journey 
as an actress. Um, okay, great. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Um, I just walked in from work. Oh, yeah. Do you just want a minute? Like, we don't... Oh, no, it's fine. I'm, like, when I, when I'm coming from work, I'm kind of, like, wired and, like, um, it's good. It's good. Cool. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, me too. Me too. What is the, what is the, the theme here? What is the, what is the, what, well, you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always feel like, uh, like Ross Geller as in Ross and Rachel, when he's like, when were you, when were you, when, when were you under me? (laughs) Um, My favorite scene when they break up. I, I love, I love that you did friends reference. Um, well, it's like a riff off my newsletter and I really just wanted to like collaborate more because my newsletter was something I started over the pandemic where I just wanted a way to like express myself when there wasn't like any acting going on. And I just wanted mm-hmm. to like share and like connect. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I wanted to keep, keep it up. Cause it didn't really feel like an actory newsletter. It felt more like essays. Mm-hmm. And so I really like doing that, but I also get so inspired from my friends <laughs> and like mm-hmm. other women who are creatives and actors and entrepreneurs and like what they do and how they express themselves and how they navigate their lives and everything. So I was like, it'd be fun to, interview them in a way that like I like to share my stories because I I get it from you all who I surround yeah. myself with also people I don't know <laughs> but um so kind of my my why for my podcast was to establish like deeper connections and inspiration through life stories and personal achievements and overcoming um challenges and just kind of like share that through like love and friendship and curiosity and like the different wisdom and how maybe that we have and how maybe that can like resonate with other women or people. Great. I love this. Yeah. So great. I was really looking forward to it. Me too. I'm, I told my boss, I was like, I have to, I have to leave early tonight. Well, because I've been putting in a lot of extra hours into Yada right now because it's like kind of crunch time and this new boss of mine doesn't know what she's doing. And she has to ask me a lot of questions. She has to like defer to me for things. Um, so I have to like be there, but I'm not doing that much. But like, I just have to explain things to her when she's like, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so like last night, I stayed there till nine o'clock and I was like, Wednesday, I cannot. I'm I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I was like, so. I'm getting interviewed. I don't know. So I was like, I can't. I'm like, if that's okay, I'm going home now. Like, or I have to do my podcast. I love it. She knew. I love it. I mean, I am so honored for you to be on it because I admire you and your work. And um, just like the woman that you are. And uh, yeah, I do. I'm not lying. I'm not just saying this for my show. (laughs) What an intro. I just shocked. Well, let's kind of get into it. So let's like kind of chat about like where you're from and kind of like how young Amanda was. Like, are there any similarities Mm. that you see in yourself now? Or like, what was she kind what was she like compared to like the- So that's interesting because (laughs) 
young Amanda, born and raised um, on the Upper West Side. Well, actually not born. I was born in the Upper East and at Lenox Hill Hospital, if you want to know, on 77th and Lenox. And then we lived like dead in the middle of Herald Square until I was in third grade. And then we moved to the Upper West Side. And um, I was extremely shy, painfully so. Um, that like my parents would come home from like parent-teacher conference and it would always be like, Amanda needs to participate more. <laughs> like I was just so painfully shy. And even when I was like little, little, like, and we would get together with like my extended family and cousins. Like it took me a really long time to like get out of my shell at all. And then that all changed in third grade. Something happened in third grade. I met my best friends. I had this amazing teacher, Mrs. Kaplan. My Mrs. Kaplan was doing a musical at my at my school, at my public school, called Next Stop America. And it was all about immigration because that's what we were learning. Um, I played like some Indian belly dancer person. <laughs> in third actually, grade, I love it. I actually wish I had the visual aid for you at the moment. I can show you that picture at another, another time. I have blue eyeshadow on. Please, I need to see it. And like Maybe I'll dress leotard. up as belly dancer, third grade Amanda for Halloween. <laughs> oh my God. That's a red leotard and you just have to wear like a scarf around your hips. And then blue eyeshadow. And the blue eyeshadow, of course. And a red lip. Anyway, so next up America. And I had a solo in this one song. Oh, no, no, sorry. I didn't have a solo. And the girl who had the solo happened to go to the bathroom while it was her solo. And Mrs. Kaplan was like, oh, can you just like sing that in the interim? And I sang it and everybody stared at me and everybody clapped for me. And I was like, what, what is, what is this feeling? And I was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, what I felt like it was positive attention. It was something I enjoyed doing. Like, and you know, when they say you get bit by the bug, like, it's so like, I don't know, trite, but it's true. It's like ever since that moment, I was like, I love acting. I love performing. I always wanted to do musical theater until later on in like eighth grade, I realized, no, I just want to do acting. But um, when I was little, it was just like, you couldn't pay me. I mean, in kindergarten, there was a circus show and I refused to do it. So I put on like a fancy dress and I sat with the pianist and I like helped him move the sheets of music while he was playing the piano. I love that you still had to put on your fancy dress. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, do you not? Oh, I've never told you this. I refused to wear pants for like the first six years of my life. <laughs> so did I you said, ever have like a tomboy phase? Mm -mm. I said, pants are for boys and I am a girl and I love being a girl. I actually used to pray at night fully pray with my hands and be like, thank you, God, for making me a girl. Like, I'm so happy I'm not a boy. Oh I used to like, thank God that I was feminine. And I, I, I was just like, I love pink and I love ruffles and I just love being a girl. <laughs> Do you I like feel that like now? now I'm like completely the opposite. Yeah. And then, then it was like, half the people I know in my life are like, you were shy. Like what? 
I know you're so um, opinionated in like the best grounded way. Like you're really great at listening, but you're also great at standing your ground. And I think that's, oh, thanks, Cody. That's nice. Yeah, you're welcome. You are like, so it is wild to me that you were shy, but you literally, it seems like you literally found your voice in third grade by just like stepping in. Why do you think? you weren't like so against stepping in like you were in kindergarten which just like i refuse to be a part of the circus thing i mean something pushed you i had this teacher well this what i what i haven't you know told you is that this teacher ended up being like a huge mentor in my life mm-hmm. and has been in my life since since third grade she ended up opening up like a musical theater program when i was in fifth grade And then we all joined it. And I was in that up until I left for college. And then after college, I went back and I worked at that program. Yeah. So like she was a, she was a huge figure in my life, similar to like our acting teacher, Marge, just being like this mentor, this, this, you know, respect for the craft that they know. And we want to learn from them. And, and she was just that woman for me. Um, but she happened to also be my third and fourth grade teacher, like in a public school at PSX. And, and she, and I ended up going to stage door, which is musical theater um, summer camp. She had gone there. She told me about going there. I mean, she, she really shaped the way I literally live my life. Like I, I love acting and I love reading um, because of her, because of her. She really like instilled it in me. And then I found that was also a time where like I found a really solid group of girlfriends that I still am friends with to this day in third grade. Like, so I think there was like a combination of find, like you said, finding my voice and then like finding kind of that inspiration to be like, oh, it's okay to like this. And it also feels good inside my body. And also I feel confident when I do it. Like I, I, it was like the first time that I was like, I'm good at this and I'm, I'm confident in this. Oh, cool. You know, that's so awesome. And like, I just like to point out, uh, that we need to pay our teachers more because they do so much. They impact us so much. Oh my gosh. I mean, can you imagine, I can't imagine if Miss Kaplan wasn't like a part of your life, Mm -hmm. like how much we would miss like the gift that you give us by just doing like your art. So you did musical theater. And then what kind of like segued you into specifically acting? You said eighth grade was kind of like the point where you were like, yeah. So that same program that I'm talking about, I, we ended up moving from musicals into doing plays and we did Neil Simon's rumors and we did Fuddy mirrors and we did, uh, beyond therapy and I ended up realizing that I, and then I, I I ended up going to LaGuardia for high school. I went to the high school of performing arts, the fame school or whatever in New York. And I ended up going just for drama. I got in for drama. I did not get into the vocal program. Um, I auditioned for vocal and drama and I got into the drama program. And I just realized that I, like, I loved, um, being more real and authentic and I think um musical theater was a bit more polished Mm -hmm. and 
And although I loved singing and I still did it, like I still went to, to summer camp and did it, but it was something that I just knew I didn't want to maybe do as like a career. And I wasn't like a fantastic dancer or anything either, but I loved doing it, but I just, I, I didn't want to do it competitively. It took the fun out of it, honestly. Yeah. And I, and then, and I'm glad I did because um, then later on in college, I ended up having vocal cord surgery. Um, and then like, it just would have never been the cards for me anyway, to be in a musical, like do eight shows a week. Like, I just don't have the cords for that. Yeah. Um, same. I feel like we chatted about that when we yeah. first, cause I had nodules and, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a interesting thing. I, I took voice lessons in 2019 for the first time since like high school. Mm-hmm. And that vocal teacher was like, but if you hadn't, if you had kept going and pushing your voice, you might not even have a voice today. And it's one of those things where you're like, okay, but your heart wasn't in it because you found acting. And I feel like that was kind yeah, of me, but I, I was a little later to the game than you. And so you, you, and you, I feel like you've never backed down. Like it's always been acting, right? You always saw it's yourself always yeah. doing it. Do you it's think wild. growing up in New York that helped you like seeing as believing like this could be a viable career? Yes. I think like when you're in sixth grade and you've seen Rent 10 times on Broadway, like it definitely- With the main cast. <laughs> with the original cast, the OG cast. And that's like what you did for your birthday parties. You would be like, my mom would be like, what do you want to do for your birthday party? I'd be like, I want to take like two of my best friends to go see a Broadway show. And that was like, I didn't want to, you know, go to the ice skating rink, which I did do that too. But like, I didn't want to do, I like as I got older, meanwhile, I mean, who am I to be listening to Rent and being like, AZT break? Like, I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> and my mom just like, let me, like, I, I remember creating a, um, a fort. Like we had this like pool table in my kitchen and I, I like put a big blanket over it and made it like my fort. And I went in there and I would play my rent cassette tapes. <laughs> the uh, 90s, baby. How embarrassing. Um, my cassette tapes and and I would just memorize rent. And then it turned into like all the shows. And, and so, yeah, I think it's surrounded by that. And then also I come from a family of creatives and artists. Um it just was not going to be in the cards for me. Finance which is not. Um, I think one time, like when somebody was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I overheard a lot of kids be like, lawyer. Um, so I like said that, but I didn't really know what that really meant. And yeah, my mom was in fashion. My dad works in the Museum of Modern Art and my stepmom works at the Guggenheim. So it was just like a lot of artsy fartsy people around all the time. I mean, that was what I was consuming. And on the weekend, like if my dad had to go into work, then like he would bring me to the museum and set me up in one of his like art studios with some glitter and some paint. And he would be like, play and I'm going to go do this. You know, it was just a different kind of. And also in New York City, too, like we're not I'm not running around in my front yard. I'm going to movies and museums and Broadway shows because you have to like come up with like things to do in New York. Because you can't just like let your your daughter, or your son, like run around the neighborhood and like ride their bikes. That doesn't exist in New York City. <laughs> like, mm. 
you know, growing up there as like a city kid, you're, you're constantly like, um, in the apartment or like you have an activity that you go and do. So you don't just like play. Like I didn't, I didn't, I like nature now, but I had no idea I liked it because I was never around it. I mean, Central Park is like not enough. It's not, it's nature, but it's right. Like I, I love me some sheep's meadow, but like, I just, it was not, (laughs) that's not like, like here in LA, when I moved here, I was like, oh, I get this hiking thing now. Like, oh, trees, like (laughs) I get it now. Like, but I just didn't, you know, I just didn't value that because it was just not around me all the time. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting too, because I'm sure you're finding different ways into your imagination as a kid versus the people, the kids playing pretend in their front yard, but, or like on the bikes, but you're kind of taking in culture, which I think is very different from, you know, especially me growing up in the South but you're using oh, yeah. your imagination in a different way. Right. It, and it was like my, I would have to imagine things like inside my apartment. Like it's amazing what you could do with like a small two bedroom. You know, we didn't have a lot of space and we didn't have a lot of privacy, but I would just like close the door to my living room. I I remember it now. And just like, I would write my own musicals. And like when my mom got home from work, I'd be like, okay, you need a ticket to get into the living room and then I would have to I made her a ticket and she would sit down and like just watch whatever I had come up with that day um and yeah and I I also I I think I think what was very helpful too is that um the simple pleasure of of reading like engaged me like no other I, I again Mrs. Kaplan um just instilled reading in us and she would do like read aloud and she would change because she was an actress she would like change her voice and her dialect and she would she would she read Roald Dahl's The Witches to us and I'm like I'll never forget it like it's still one of my favorite A movies um Angelica Houston and then and then one of my favorite books and she just made it alive and made it so fun and then we would go to her to like pick out our next book so like when my parents were getting divorced when she kind of knew that she found a book where like the girl in the book was like also going through a divorce so like I related to it and then I was like oh my god you can read about things that you really like like I it was it was like an aha moment of going like oh I love reading like I can and then I think that helped me too in acting like I loved more like first person narrative of, of getting in the head of somebody. Um, and that I, I think that struck a chord with like my empathy chord. The thing I always was though, as a kid was extremely sensitive, which I am now as well, like emotional and sensitive. And I think, um, that's why acting also called to me because when you're that age and my, I love my dad. We have a good relationship, but at the time he would, he just never understood why I was so sensitive. And it was almost looked at as like frowned upon, like, she's so sensitive. Like she can't. And, and it's just like, oh no, like that's, that's actually a gift. Like that, that's a, not just a positive thing, but it's like a, it's a superpower that I have this like superpower of empathy and, 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 like my emotions are right there. Um, and that, 
I was like, oh, well then what better, you know, thing to love to do than to emote and dive in, empathize with characters and, and break it down and play them. And so I can always see things from different people's point of views and I don't know. Yeah. No, that's a really wonderful takeaway too. Like you finding something in yourself that you're like, this is so innately me. Like, this is who I am, but like, I'm going to make that my superpower. Like, how can I enrich my own life and use that to enrich others? And I don't think it's necessarily something always people always see about themselves. And I think that's a yeah, really powerful I mean, statement to hear. Well, I mean, look, it took a little time to get there. <laughs> of course, of course. To realize that that was actually a positive thing. And still to this day, like, you know, in, in romantic relationships and, you know, in a lot of ways it shows up and people are, you know, you're just like so emotional and like, you're, you know, so it can, it can quote unquote get in the way. But at this point I own it because it's just like who I am and I can't, I'm not going to pretend that it's not. Yeah. So, um, what kind of was the segue from all of your studying? Because you obviously went to college as well to study Mm -hmm. theater. What kind of segued from your, I mean, and you're still studying. I'd like to make a point. We're still in class every Monday. Well, you know, this is an athletic career goal. Um, But like, Mm -hmm. what kind of segued into your professional side? So did you start doing theater in New York first? Did you find, try to find like an agent, go that route? What was kind of your next step? So I was very, very lucky to get into a college conservatory program at Cincinnati, a place called CCM. And they had a New York and LA showcase senior year. So you graduate and then you, uh, you get flown to New York and LA, but New York just happened to be my home. Um, and we would do a showcase for industry and they would come and watch. And I got an agent and manager straight out of college from that. So I very much lucked out. Um, I got a manager and then he helped me set up for an agent. And at the time it was, it was an agency paradigm and, uh, they got me straight away into auditioning. I just started auditioning immediately. And then, yes, there's a lot of theater in New York. And so I would be auditioning for TV, film, theater commercials at the time. I no longer, um, go on a commercial auditions, but I, I, but I did then. And, um, I also did though, have an agent when I was in high school, just a commercial agent. So like after school, I would take the subway to wherever and, and, audition for like sunny delight <laughs> like I I remember like specifically a Dr. Pepper commercial that I auditioned for um but uh yeah that that I was really lucky that that program had that even though I was kind of savvy enough in high school because I had gone to LaGuardia that I was like any acting program that I look into I want to make sure they have a showcase like I thought of I actually thought about that it's sick but I did. Um, <laughs> well, I was about to ask, like, did they cultivate any sort of business mindset? Because I feel like we hear from a lot did. of actors who took, I mean, we yeah, had... who took theater, but then like the business kind of smacks them in the face. But you were well, able to we, like... in, a, in the conservatory program that I went to, they did have classes in that. They had like, it was called like, you know, 
it was called like business for show business or something. I don't, I don't actually, I made that up. I, I don't know what it was, but I think it was like something about like, like theater business or something. And they like literally taught you like how to do your taxes. They taught you like what you can write off as an actor. They taught you like, like how to do headshots. And at the time it was like a voiceover reel. And like, we weren't doing like uh video reels at that time. And, um, yeah. And we even had a class where like we were affiliated with different photographers and then we got our headshots taken. Like we, they really did it. I mean, I really learned and, and I was, I kind of had learned that too. Like we had a showcase at the end of senior year of high school. And I had met with at the time the head of Warner brothers there. Um, and, uh, Meg Simon, I'll never forget her name. And she sat me down and she was like, call me in four years, go to college, call me in four years. And sure enough, she came to the CCM showcase and I met with her again, four years later. And I started, that's how I like ended up on Gossip Girl. She cast me on Gossip Girl. That was your first recurring, right? That was, that was my first recurring ever. Yeah. Um, so I loved a Gossip Girl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, but I was, I, that was also like, it was so fun to do that. But I remember over the years, I probably went in for them. Like really not exaggerating, 30 times. For Gossip Girl. Just for Gossip Girl. Because wow. I went in initially for Vanessa and got pretty far. And there were like four of us in the end. And Jessica Shore got it or sure, or whatever, however you call it. Um, but there was this other girl that I was auditioning with a lot at the time. Her name was Amanda also. And she was very close to the role too. And they ended up giving her a pretty large recurring um, that that recurred for like the first three seasons. And I remember being like, because ah, I auditioned for that too. But then finally season five, they were like, okay, we'll throw her a bone. <laughs> no, I mean, you worked really hard and were obviously amazing. Yeah, but it was like, I remember being like, my life would have changed if I was Vanessa. <laughs> but honestly, not, I'm sure Jessica Shore is actually like pretty cool, awesome person. I've met her once, but I, I'm actually kind of happy in a strange way that that never happened to me because I don't know, you kind of need that those all those no's to really value when you do get that job how important it is and how how hard you have to work for it not take it for granted like I just I think about all the glee kids you all these kids that get these roles so early on and they're chasing and chasing and chasing that that feeling for the rest of their lives again when like I I can still be like a human being and then I'll I'll get there you know yeah there's you something will. You know, Stella says you got to be the last one standing. She does. And what did Marge say? Marjorie said something recently in class about like earning, like mm. if something's given to you easily, it's not as sweet as like when you actually work hard and you earn, and earn it. That. Yeah. Yeah. I I do believe in that. I have to say. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so, so that's what I did. I just like hit the ground running the second. Um, I got out of college. I just started auditioning. And and then I, I start, I did book this um, show with Labyrinth Theater Company, this play um, that Raul Castillo wrote, 
who's he's kind of blowing up now and he and we did it with a collaboration with the public theater so I'm so glad I didn't know what a big deal Labyrinth Theater Company was when I went in because I probably would have botched the audition I didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into. And I just thought it would be like fun to do like an off-Broadway play. Thank God I didn't know what it was. That that like Philip Seymour Hoffman was the artistic director and Stephen Allen Giergis was going to be in rehearsal. Like if you had told me any of those things, I would have been like, <laughs> you know, I'm a nervous wreck. Even now I'm like not a good auditioner. And, um, and like, I'm so glad because that was still to this day like one of the the more rewarding experiences I've ever had um I still think that I was talking about this with one of our friends the other night like I still think theater is like my first love I do love film and television in different ways but if I could really just do theater for the rest of my life I think that would probably be it for me I think most like true actors feel the same way (laughs) You know, there's What's nothing a like true it. actor, Jody. Oh, okay, What's well, like Kate Blanchett. I mean, you know, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, right. But like, no, you, I see what you mean. Like the Merrills and the, yeah, and the people that, that train in theater and then go into film and television. And, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think, um, I think as theater people, you can go into film and television, but as film and television people, you can't necessarily do transition to theater so easily if you don't have the training yeah yeah i'm learning (laughs) yeah it's hard it's so hard yeah um like you said earlier it's just like being a fucking athlete yeah just staying in the ring and like that's kind of what you've been doing and and you're consistently doing you're like never giving up on yourself and your craft so what was the show specifically with labyrinth theater and then how did that kind of transform what you thought of yourself in the arena of acting, did that kind of change your outlook on yourself? Yes, because that was a, that was a really big eye-opening experience for me because Labyrinth Theater Company, the L stands for Latin, like Latino or Latina, Latinx. And um, I had never really explored that side of myself. Um, I grew up Upper West Side, like I said, all my friends were white and Jewish for the most part until I got to high school and I had friends of all different walks of life and all different colors. Um, and um, and I, I was always like a little bit ashamed of my Cuban-ness. Um, and it wasn't until I met these other Latin actors that um, I realized, cause like I hadn't met Marge yet, um, <laughs> that they had brought out the Latin in me. Like, and like Marge always says with like Stella, like, I don't want the, what does she say? I don't want the something in you. She She's like, I want the Latin in you. I want the Italian in you. I want the Jewish in you. I want the, like she, she wants those that passion and again I was always kind of ashamed that I was so like passionate or um emotional uh dramatic you know and it was kind of like frowned upon it was kind of like 
even with my mother, it's like, she's still to this day. She's like, Amanda, I'm right here. Like when we're having a conversation, <laughs> she thinks I'm yelling all the time. I'm like, I'm not yelling. This is just who I am. And, and so it's, it's that it was always like, quiet yourself down for other people, like relax, like stop being So, you know, my friend Max always says, he's like, you have no chill. And I'm like, I do, but I, it, it's definitely different. It's like, it's a Latin kind of passion. And and why, when I met Marge, we, I think as they say in the UK, like she's a bit of me, like I saw myself in her, you know? Yeah. And that's what it, I think that that's what it felt like when I, when I started doing Labyrinth in your company, I was like, Oh, these are my people. Like, Oh, there are other people that are just like me doing this. Um, and at the time too, it wasn't like it is now. There wasn't as much diverse casting. And so they had, like, I I was finally surrounded by these like div- diverse group of actors that I was like, oh, I belong here. So it was, an, uh, it gave me an understanding about myself, not only as an artist, but in this Latin side of me. And then I would, then all of a sudden I had an interest in it. And I was actually proud of that. And then I would, start to ask my dad more questions about what it was like living in, in Cuba and and starting to understand my history more. And, and um, yeah, just being uh, really proud of that. And I just hadn't been with like-minded people. Um, and my whole life, I was just trying so desperately to be Jewish, honestly. <laughs> and then I went to college and it, and then I met all these people that were like, I don't know one Jewish person. And I was like, what? Like, I was so confused because I went to college in Ohio. <laughs> so it was like <laughs> people from Kentucky and people from Texas and people. And I was just like, what is this place? <laughs> Middle America. <laughs> what is this? So it was like this crazy, you know, getting to do labyrinth yeah shifted something in me to where I was like oh this is an asset all this passion all this like color all this like um uh I don't know erratic manic (laughs) whatever you want to call it dramatic um parts of me were valued and and I thought oh okay okay um so I think it, yeah, you're just constantly um, finding more and more out about yourself. And it was, uh, and then what was so beautiful about it is like, once you're kind of in with that, that theater company, they ask you to come back and they ask you to do more things. And um, that's when I was asked to do that Melissa Ross um, reading. And you are here. Uh, you are here. Mm-hmm. And that was huge for me. I loved that. And then we did yeah like lots of lots of shows with them and then they they would do retreats um where we would all um yeah philip seymour hoffman directed me in a <laughs> in a in a reading i mean it was is wild like i was with all these and we never slept we would go we would like rehearse all day and then we would do readings of all the plays all night long and then we would all like stay up drinking skinny dipping talking about it i mean it was like it was the best it was just it was like summer camp, but for adults and just like eating and living and breathing theater. And 
and readings with all these incredible, I mean, Ethan Hawke was there. I mean, I, I can't even, I don't even know. It was, it was incredible. It was incredible. What sort of fizzle, like, how did you segue from that out to LA? Was LA your next step after that? No, I was never really planning on coming to LA. Um, I had booked something that flew me out here and then I did it. And then I stayed with my friend who was born and raised here from college. And um, so I stayed with him and I was like, I mean, this place is like fine, but it's like sunny all the time. And like, this is like where people vacation. This is not like real life. And I was like, <laughs> this is cute though. Bye. And then I came out once for a pilot season. My manager's like, you're doing well. You're getting callbacks. Like, what if you just do like one pilot season in LA? And I said, okay, I'm going to call my friend Ryan again. I'm going to come out there for just one pilot season. And I asked my manager and I said, you know, I really want to up my game while I'm here. Do you know of a coach? And he was like, Kristen Ritter swears by this woman. I don't know if you want to give her a call. And I was like, yeah, I'll try her. <laughs> I called this woman named Marjorie and she picks up the phone and it is so loud wherever she is. And she was like, okay, baby, I'm getting my hair done. Can I call you back? <laughs> and I had never talked to her in my life. And I was like, I love this woman. She called me back and she literally coached me on every single audition, every callback, every test. And I had never gotten so much traction before working with her. And then she was like, when you, when you move here, you're going to join my class. And I was like, oh, does she know I'm no plans to move there. And then I went back to New York and then Zoom wasn't a thing. We would just FaceTime. She would coach me and we'd FaceTime. And then um, I booked something, it brought me out and then I just stayed. And you're here still. What was the booking that kept you here? Um, there was a pilot called perfect couples, um, that never went mm. and, um, and there was just like a lot, I was testing for other things at the time. And I was just like, I think I need to be out here. And then actually, you know, LA is so spread out and I had come from New York city, which is like not only an incredible city, but my home. So I had many different communities within New York. And when I came to LA, I was like, I need a community of people. Like I can't just, my friend, my one friend, Ryan, who lives here, I can't like make his social um, group, my social group. Like I need to create something. And the first thing I did, the first thing I did was go to Marge's class. And I said, I'm here. I want to be a part of this. And she was doing a showcase at the time. And I saw the showcase and then I saw her and she was like, you're joining class. It's done. And it was Wednesday at the time. And, and and then I've been in it ever since. Wow. And how many years ago was that? That was 11 years ago. Actually, what's the date? Today's February 15th. In two days, it'll be 12 years. Wow. February 17th was the showcase. I remember the showcase. Wow. That's mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah, it's nuts. It's really nuts. It went by so, so, so fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So moving to Los Angeles, finding community, finding a class where you have like a home, mm -hmm. um, were you able to keep up the traction? I think what's so interesting, especially because I personally have a lot of people in my life who aren't an actor, who don't understand the industry. You know, I don't think they understand like 
that we're actors regardless of if we're booking or not. (laughs) And like, it's like you have constantly been working whether or not that's shown to the masses or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyways, I just wanted to highlight that, but also like, were you able to keep the traction in Los Angeles? Like, were you happy about the move? Was there any like, oh man, should I have stayed in New York? Was there any doubt or was it like, this is where I'm supposed to be? There was no doubt. I, um, there was definitely like a transitional period of like missing my friends and missing my family and, and being, but I think what was kind of cool about my family is every time I talked to them, they were like, whenever you want, you just come back. And the, like the, the safety net of like knowing that like New York is not going anywhere. Like if I, if I just like, if I turn around and I hate it, I'll leave and I'll go back to New York. Like the scariest thing was moving here. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a car. I still don't. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to live there? Like everybody's so slow. Everyone moves so like lackadaisical. People say things like no worries. Like, what is this place? You know, and then, <laughs> and then my, but my mom kept being like, okay, but when you don't like it, you just come back. And so it was like, I, I'm very lucky that I have a very, very supportive family unit that, that I would come back home like three times a year. So it never felt like I was necessarily missing out or feeling like it was better in New York for that. I mean, it's definitely better in New York for theater. I will definitely say that, but like finding the community of actors with Marge, finding our family there, then being able to, to enjoy and nature really has become a big part of my life. Like being able to enjoy nature and being able to go on a hike and then go to an audition and then go teach a class. Like I, t- I teach kids classes, musical theater and, and acting. And, and it's like, I could do all that in one day it was really exciting to me. And you get like so many, you can get like big sur, like total different topography and then you can be in a city and then I could go to like Echo Park and feel like I'm in New York for a second. And then I could, you know, like there's just so many different places here, but you know, it is hard to find your community, but once you do find it, once you find your people, I think it can be, LA can be a really great place. But I remember like my manager at the time being like, okay, go to LA, but you're going to get real lonely and it's really spread out and it can be really, and I, I know what he's saying when it comes to that. Um, but uh, I think there are some really fucking weird people here, but I think there's some really fucking weird people in New York too. Yeah, there's fucking weird people everywhere. Yeah, so North it's like- Carolina. <laughs> right, I I found my people. I'm, I, I love my work people that I teach, where I teach. It's a bunch of musical theater, theater people. Um, and then we have class. And then I'm auditioning and then I get to do meditation and yoga and Pilates and all the fun shit. And I get to read and I go get to be in nature and I get to, it's, you get to go to the beach. Like, it's just, it's, it's nice. It's a nice quality of life. And that's what I've, I've kind of always said. And you also get like more for your, you get more bang for your buck here. And I, I say that all the time. <laughs> I know everybody thinks that like LA is so expensive comparatively to like where they grew up, but like 
where I grew up was New York City. So this is <laughs> not as expensive. Like, I don't want to be in a hole in the wall in Astoria, Queens. I just don't. I, I, I that might sound privileged. That might sound whatever it's going to sound. But I, I like being able to have more space out here for my money. And I can live a better quality of life, not being a millionaire out here. Like, yeah. The kind of life that I want to live in New York, I, I would need to make way more money. And I know, yeah. but I chose to do this. So I clearly didn't choose the money route. <laughs> Meanwhile, my sister the other day, she's like, Amanda, I got a new Mercedes. And I was like, oh, cool. She cool. went into finance, didn't she? <laughs> she went into to PR. Yeah. PR. That's what it is. We, like you, like you said, there's so much to do out here and I always vouch for LA. Like I yeah. do love it. And community is important. Yeah. Um, I, 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 and I get the bad rap as well, but. I, yeah. I think it's kind of the only way to be out here is to like, make sure you have your people because then otherwise I do think it can be a really uh, brutal place. Yeah. And you have to, I mean, people have said this since the beginning of acting, but on every talk show ever, but you have to have other things also mm -hmm. besides acting. If you give it all of your energy and all of your mental capacity and it like, it's just going to drive you mad. And yeah. I remember uh, even Natalie Portman once was like, you have to have other interests. You have to have other things or creative things, or as my therapist says, creative things that don't have, um, what am I trying to like, like weight to them mm -hmm. that don't have, um, not consequences. I, I'm not thinking of the right well, word. Like you're going like, to make your hobby into your next Etsy shop. That makes it a different, right. that's no. no longer a hobby. And that's, yes. gonna, that's not filling you up in a exactly. different way. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so I, I, I don't, I feel that I've, I've now at this point, have a bit more of a balance and I'm not so consumed by it. it. It was hard in the beginning. Like if, you know, if I got that call that, you know, I didn't get that show or whatever, like it would, it would ruin me for like a week, you know, like it was, it was the highs are highs and the lows are lows. Um, so you really have to find things to uh, balance them out, but you can't, you know, also do like a, what's it called? Positive bypass or whatever. Oh, spiritual bypass. Or yeah. yeah like, like bypassing the, the, how you actually feel. Yeah. I don't, that. I don't want to do that either, but I think that there's like a difference between like feeling your feelings and, and then, um, being like seduced by the feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, so that has taken time to, and tools to, uh, get to that place of not letting it totally ruin everything you know totally I mean it's tough as an artist having your art be your business because so much relies and I feel like especially for actors on other people's yes for us mm -hmm. and it takes a toll for sure and you've been doing this a lot longer and have a, have had a lot more closer calls than my personal story um but just in general just yeah it's like most people might just do theater on the side in their community while doing the tech job, you know, but we're like, there's nothing else I want to fill. That's not enough. 
we want to be filling it more. So I know you've mentioned a few things for like your, like your balance. So what other tools, like you're doing your meditation, you're doing your hiking. Is that like what you're kind of using to off, like to fill yourself up and with your community kind of? But yeah, definitely that. Um, And also writing and like creating your own stuff. Like I'm, I, I started writing this like short that I, I really loved um, that like made me really happy. And I don't know what I'm doing, but it's something creative that I can like put my time into. And so I don't have all my eggs in one basket. You know, I'm still doing other things um, and, and, uh, and being inspired by people in class, of course, each week and having that to work on. Um, so it's like, okay, maybe I didn't get that job, but like, I still have class tonight and I have to show up and I want to, I want to do a good job for Marge and I want to do a good job for my peers. And I want to, I, I want to work on my craft and I want to, I want to read more plays and I want to read more, you know, just continuing to learn and research. I think that, you know, especially in Marge's generation, they read so much and we don't have our generation is not a generation of readers, you know, um, which I think someone in class the other night kind of mentioned that. Um, and I think that that's true. Like Marge talks about, you know, when she did a play, she would read like two books on the author just to understand where he was coming from. And then she would read a book on the time that it was written. And then she was like, so I I don't necessarily do that, but (laughs) I don't necessarily have all the time for that. But I think there's a happy medium somewhere in there of being like the LA person. That's like, I don't do any of that. I just like read the lines and I just like feel how I feel like feeling. And then there's the Marge. And then there's somewhere in the middle of like working on your craft, but also having um, a sense of self and value that is not rooted in whether or not I book a job. Um, and I think you're right. It's hard to get other people who are not in the business to understand that talent and craft does not equate to booking. It can sometimes in certain people's cases, they're actually good and they book work. There's people that are not good in my opinion. Um, and they book work. And then there are people that are incredible and they don't work book work. So there is no rhyme or reason to any of this. And I think I used to think there was, especially in my early twenties when I came here. Um, And I think I just kind of stopped trying to defend it. And I know for myself that it just doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Like it just, it, it can be frustrating. Sure. I'm like, oh, that person, we can all make up stories of that person got it because they are prettier than me or that person got it because they speak three languages or that person got it because they have 4 million followers on Instagram. They got it. And I didn't. So it wasn't mine to be had. I don't know. You know, if I can say that now, that was really hard concept for me to understand 10 years ago. Totally. And I'm sure sometimes it still hits a little harder depending on the role too that you some of them sting real bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's still like a couple TV shows that like I can't watch because I'll just be hate watching it. And that's not fair. <laughs> because I'll be like, I wanted that part so badly and I 
my life would be very different if I had gotten that, you know? Yeah. And like you're only, you're human. Yeah. Like, of course like I, you can't just be like, I wash away and I'm, yeah, I'm hum- you, know. you know, we but want, we still want to act and we want people to see it. Right. But I also it. don't believe in like the feeling like, well, she got it. Then, then I can't get it. Like there's, right. there's enough work, especially now to go around and um, there'll be more. And I just have to believe in something and have faith because I mean, what's the alternative, honestly? <laughs> so I, I really just like stick it to my lane and stay there. I mean, what was it that Seinfeld said? He was like, when you're, when you're down, like keep your chin up. And when you're really high, keep that chin down, you know, like stay humble when good things are coming your way, because that won't last forever too. And then keep your head high when it's not going your way because that's temporary also. So, um, I mean, look, it's a nice saying, (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't always like work out that way. Um, when it's four o'clock in the morning and your anxiety wakes you up, but it, it, it can help sometimes. Uh, uh, but you, you have to, especially as actors, we, we have to do those, those, um practices uh to keep our mental health in a in a good place because um we are constantly being hit with things that sometimes a lot of my other friends who are not in this business um do not have to come up against i mean i had this this friend of mine and it's always stuck with me she was like I feel like sometimes when I hear you talk about acting and auditions, it's like you're in an abusive relationship and like you, you get, you fall and then you just like constantly dust yourself off and like, just go at it again. And I'm like, Oh, that's an interesting, this bleak way of thinking about it because she's not an artist. She doesn't think the way we do. She doesn't understand that there is no alternative. Like this is what makes me happy. And this is what I'm passionate about. And if I don't go after it, like I'll always regret it. And I don't, that's my biggest fear is, is the regret of that. So I just know I just got to keep going. I, I mean, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not, I'm not stopping. So it's just, it's just about getting through those really tough days. And then sometimes you are on a show and you get to go to set every day and you get to be on the Seinfeld lot and you're thinking to yourself or you're saying to your 11 year old self, like you did it, you know, and it feels fucking awesome. Um, and then that ends and it doesn't get renewed. Let's talk about how we roll. Cause yeah. you were recurring on that show last year mm-hmm. on almost every single episode, right? Yeah. It was so, it was so rewarding and so wonderful. And that was like, okay. And I just want to like point out that Amanda still, I said the same thing about Kelly too. Cause she was like doing a show and still came to class, but like Amanda mm-hmm. literally would be doing a show doing a sitcom show, which is almost like a nine to five. Yeah. It's, it's then, like a nine to three. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then showing up for class and doing work and learning, doing it all. Yeah. And in between that, I went to teach. And you were still at your yada. I went, I went to my other job, which is like the after school program where I teach. So I would go to CBS Redford from nine to three. And once in a while, I got it a little bit earlier. So I would go to Mendocino farm and get a sandwich. And then I would go <laughs> teach from 3.30 to 7.15. And then, yeah. And then I would go to class on Monday nights too. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but what was that experience like? Cause you were on a sitcom and you're, mm-hmm. you're a very, okay. The thing is I I'm going to like brag about you all the time. Um, but like you are a fucking amazing actress dramatically, but you're also hilarious. <laughs> and like, so what was it like getting to, to use your, I mean, I know this isn't your first like comedic role, but like you're a consistently like 13. The most amount of episodes, episodes I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like um, getting to do that and explore and create on the spot and like a sitcom level? Um, it was uh, like, incre- like it was really scary at first. And then, um, and then it turned out to be incredible. And then it turned out to just feel like home. Like it was, it was all the things, honestly. Um, so what's interesting too, and a lot of people say this, like, it's always the job that you don't think you're going to get that you get. So my, I remember my agent calling me and being like, okay, so you booked how we roll. And I was like, wait, what? Cause I was <laughs> up for this other role on, um, young Sheldon, like a, a, a one day guest star. And I was like, wait, how, I thought you were talking about young Sheldon. You were calling about young Sheldon. He was like, no, how we roll. And I was like, when was that? And he was like, that was like two weeks ago. And I was like, wait, the like recurring one, the like one that's like a bigger part. And he was like, yeah, you booked it. And I was like, what? (laughs) And I like, couldn't believe it. Like I, I remember being like, but I wasn't even like waiting for that call. Like, you know, when you're like waiting for the call to hear, like those are the ones you don't get, but the ones that like you, you're not even thinking about, they just like come into your radar and they're like, oh yeah, you got it. Anyway, I got it and it was supposed to be three episodes with um, option for more. And so I went in there and it is to play like the best friend of the the lead girl, which uh, Katie Holmes was doing. Uh, Katie Holmes. Katie Lowe's. Marge always says Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. Why did you say that? Because Marge always says Katie Lowe's. Katie Lowe's. Jesus Christ. It's late. Okay. So Katie Lowe's was playing the lead who I happened to love anyway and knew that she had gone to NYU and she's like only a few years older than me. And we have a lot of friends in common. And I was like, I know she had like worked with Marge before. So I was like, oh my God, I love this girl. And I know she does musical theater too. And she knows a lot of my musical theater friends. So I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And then the reason why I also say Katie Holmes is because Pete Holmes was the other lead who I really respect as an actor and a comedian. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to learn so much from this guy, blah, blah, blah. So I went there and, um, and I remember I was playing her, her best friend and I got a lot of like zingy one-liners, you know, like very like sitcom, funny best friend. Um, and you know, it was, it was great. I mean, it, it is the closest thing you can get to doing theater is a multicam because you do have a live audience, even though we didn't because it was COVID, but um, you have that, you're on the soundstage. It is a set. It feels very set-like. Um, you're not like actually in the woods, like, you know, um, I don't know, uh, immersing yourself in in you know, a very realistic tone. This is very much animated. You can, they see your your whole body. You do not have to um, tone anything down, especially for a theater person. Um, And, and so I was like, 
this is really, really fun. This is that fun side, goofy side um, that I can just let run wild here. Um, do I like doing um, dramatic work better? Probably, um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I loved that set because I loved the people down to the costumer, to the cameraman, uh, the prop woman. I, I mean, like I, I, the script supervisor, I mean, I really, I loved everybody there and everybody was happy to be there, which was not always the case. Um, <laughs> when I and, and then they asked me, then I started, you know, in multicam world, it's really stressful because you have a table read on Monday, you do a rehearsal and a read through and a, and a run through on Tuesday. Then you do, uh, you get new lines and then you go in and you rehearse the new lines on Wednesday and then you do a production run through, um, for execs and producers on Wednesday, then Thursday, Friday, we shoot. And um, you may be called Thursday, you may be called only Thursday, only Friday, or a little bit of both. Um, and they rewrite it again on Wednesday night. Um, so sometimes they just tweak it. Sometimes they write you an entire monologue and you have to learn it the night before and you get it around like 8 p.m. So for people who don't memorize easily, it's it would it's a complete nerve-wracking scary thing. I do tend to memorize quickly, but it definitely is stressful. And you know that you have all those people standing there and all the cameramen at the same time. And it's 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 not as easy in that case to do another take. Because it's not like, oh, we're only getting Amanda's coverage. You're getting everybody's at all times, a lot of the time. So if you fuck up, then you're fucking it up for someone else. And so you, it really does give you that sense of community on set of like looking out for each other because I'm not only wanting to do it for myself, I'm also wanting to do it for Katie and I'm also wanting to do it for the other people that are in scenes with me. Um, and Julie White, my God, what a national treasure. Um, she was the best thing ever. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was, it was on the CBS Radford lot. It was, it was the, the Seinfeld lot, the Seinfeld stage, stage 11. And, and it was just like, I couldn't believe I was thinking my lucky stars every day that I got to like, go like the Hollywood dream. Right. That was like what it was. Um, and, uh, so when all those rewrites happen once in a while, they do kind of ask your opinion here and there and you it's it's delicate and you kind of have to tiptoe and you do you know not suggest too much or and once in a while I would pitch something or I would go to Pete and I would be like what do you think of this and he was like I like it you can pitch that um and then I would give him something else and he'd be like Amanda no that is that is not multicam that is that is New York City that's not <laughs> and I'd be like okay he'd be like that's way too edgy for the show and I'd be like okay he's like this is a family comedy so uh, but he so he would help me and then and then he would give me the confidence to to maybe go up to a writer or a producer and be like I think Tia would maybe say this and um and so through that um I I kind of 
got this little jolt of being like, as you know, as actors, it's so sad. There's always this mentality of like beggars can't be choosers. Like you're just so fucking happy to have a job that you you don't want to do anything to jeopardize it. And so you don't want to speak out of turn and you don't want to step on anybody's toes, but you, you want to be liked, but, but so once, and I never got to the point where I felt comfortable enough because I'd never been on anything for this long where I felt comfortable enough to like, maybe make a suggestion or maybe be like, actually talk about maybe the inside of my character and making her a little bit more three-dimensional. Um, and I found that they were a little bit receptive to it. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to suggest a little bit more. And then they were like, wow, she's like a real actress. She's like thinking like the character. She's, she's thinking about the themes of the show. She's like actually, um, making choices based on the world in which we're living in like I they started to kind of and so what was so great is they they liked Tia the character of Tia um enough that they wanted to to ask me on for more episodes and then they asked me for another one and then they asked me for another one and they asked me for another. I was like oh my god like I'm actually on this show and then your storyline started deepening and- yeah and then they gave me a love interest. And then they gave me, like, I was like, whoa. So this job that was supposed to be three episodes turned into 11. And it was just, it was so, um, I'm going to use validating. I don't think that it's my favorite word in this moment, but it was so validating to be like, they they see what I'm trying to do here and they're receptive to it. And we're part of this like collaborative experience and we're we're really happy to be at work and we want to actually make this good. Um, and that was really joyous every day to come to work and do that. And I liked what, I mean, down to the things that I got to wear. And, you know, I think um, I made the most out of that experience and that role. I think that 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 show, even though it was like a family comedy, could have could have taken it a little bit further um, with some of the the things that they were talking about. Um, like in terms of of my character not being so two dimensional and like being the funny one that comes in who makes funny jokes of being about being Latina. I mean, I think this, this business has a long way to go in that area. Um, but that is something that I struggle with also because I did for so long, um, not kind of embraced that side of me. So I'm too white for a lot of things and not white enough for other things. And I kind of, um, teeter on this line of nobody kind of knows what to do with me is what I've been told in the business before um because they're like you're funny but you have really dark hair and dark eyes so you look mean so and then they're like but you're (laughs) like I, I and then I've been told like you have to be more urban and then I've been told you know all sorts of things and also I don't speak Spanish Um, and if I, I can speak it, but I need time to learn it. Um, but it obviously doesn't sound like truly authentic. And so there are some roles that come my way that I definitely pass on because I'm like, 
I, I feel like a fraud. Um, and for those people who are like, but you're an actor, um, they don't understand the craft of acting. <laughs> right. And, um, well, if there's and- anything that we've learned from your story, it's like, you keep finding the truth about yourself throughout your life. And that's what you've been able to bring to create these really amazing grounded three-dimensional characters. Well, that's a good takeaway, Jody. I didn't think about that. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm here for. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I think, I think that that, that is still something that I am constantly, um, trying to see where I fit in this business. Um, and I see roles sometimes where I, where I just go, oh, that was so me, but they wanted it to be a white girl or like when, you know, especially with, um, and I'm really talking about like primetime television. I'm really talking about like the ABCs, the NBCs, the CBS, the, the glossy Fox. Hollywood. Yeah. Like I'm really talking about the, that only in, in the fact that um, I'm not, you know, white enough for certain things and not, and not Latin enough for other things. Um, and so I think time and time again, I keep learning that lesson of, um, that I just need to reinvent it for myself. Like I need to write something that represents everything that I am because it is a little odd that I sound like a Jewish girl from New York, but I'm not. And, um, (laughs) it just, and I don't look it. And some people think I am when they meet me because they hear me, but then based off of like a tiny little headshot and my last name being Perez, what do you, what assumptions are you making about me before I walk into a room? And when I'm not that they're like, Oh, um, like we're still there with Hollywood of, yeah, you have to look, we still can't see past a person's look. We have to still have like the assumption of a character based on how you look versus seeing past that. Mm -hmm. Or, or it's like, it doesn't have to be a part about being Latin. Like that's what I'm waiting for. Like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, not me, but friends of mine are like, well, I'm white. There's no roles for me right now. And it makes me laugh because I'm like, there were roles for you for a really, really long time. (laughs) And now there's roles for a lot of us, but then they're still missing this kind of middle ground where I just happen to be Latin, but I'm playing the lead. And it does, we don't have to talk about the fact that I'm half Cuban. It just is what it is. And that's where I think we haven't gotten to yet. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I think we have really incredible stories that are being told these cable shows that are, that, that are happening and and streaming services that have all these incredible, um, uh, shows. Um, and a lot of my other, um, Latinx friends that, that book stuff all the time that are maybe more Latin than me, you know, and I'm like, so happy that, that, that that's happening and that those stories are being told. Um, but I also don't 
feel like I fit in there either sometimes. Um, so I think when it hits, it'll hit and it'll, but I definitely think that I'm definitely like an odd, unique person. And a lot of times I get, I get such strange reactions from people. Like it just, they think I'm Persian. They think I'm Indian. They think I'm Italian. think I'm Spanish. Then you play uh, Italian and Don John. <laughs> I did. You're right. Well, I played it like a New Jersey Italian, which is a little different. Okay. Um, that's more close. <laughs> Sorry, to Italians. Didn't mean to put you in yeah. one category. <laughs> that's that, that is more like New York Italian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I would play any day. Love that. <laughs> Give me that any day. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, you never, you, and you also never know who you're going to meet. Like when I met, the people over at Labyrinth, they were like, you're part of our, our fabric, our, our tribe, our, our people. And I was like, oh, cool. But I didn't even know I fit there, you know, because I was still so worried about being white passing over here, you know? And so I learned a lot through that. Um, but I still think the business, yes, has a long way to go. But now there's all sorts of stories that are being told. So yeah. I hope I can fit into one of them and um, yeah, do some more dramatic work. I think that's what I'm I'm calling in more of in this uh, 2023. Well, I want to um, touch base uh, or bring this up uh, that we, with Marjorie, started a theater company. And that we will be doing more dramatic work and showing you off. Um, so it's kind of coming full circle. I mean, we're trying to change the landscape of theater here in Los Angeles because it does feel a little tight, like clicky when it comes to like the few good places that are that are doing great work. And um, I mean, you've been with Marjorie for obviously so much longer than me. And I've just been very fortunate to kind of hop in at like, a very kismet time where all of this is coming together, but wow, we have such a good uh, and fantastic group right now. Yeah, yeah. How does it feel knowing that that's brewing? Like we did one show in December that was a success, yeah. and then we were like, "Let's do this thing," and we're gearing up for another show, um, which will probably. Yeah, be... I mean, it feels really good. Like I said earlier, because it does feel. Um, like we have this other thing that we can put our time and our energy and our love and our creative juices into that is just as fulfilling. So when you don't get that phone call, you go, I mean, I'm upset, but I got this other thing going on. Yeah. It's not like, okay, well, I don't have that now. Now I have nothing, you know? So, and, and it's something we can we can put our our time and energy into and be really proud of. Um, I think that's that too. I think a lot of people are creating content, but they're just kind of creating content for the sake of it because they're like, well, people are doing their own content now. But a lot of it is just really bad and uh, masquerade. And, and um, so I think us coming together and saying, our class is so good and we see some incredible work every Monday night and nobody gets to see it, but us. And, and while that's fine, um, it's also really nice to be able to invite friends and family to actually see what we've been doing in those, in that 
to Rhodes Theater every Monday night um, and get a chance to show our chops. And, and if there are people that we want to see it, um, we can say, oh, I'm actually in the show. You know, like, yeah, I, I didn't get that audition, but I'd love for you to come and see this. Um, and I think eventually um, when we get a little bit of a reputation and name for ourselves, we can we can turn it into a production company and we can really um, get this off the ground. Um, right now, it's just still really early days, but I'm I'm so excited for um, what it could be. And um, continuing Marge's legacy, I think, is really important and something really special to me. Um, and uh, remembering that there is nothing like theater. And, and that theme of the other night, like collective effervescence that we were talking about. From like the podcast. And that, that was on the other podcast. That term um, obviously resonated with all of us because we had that collective experience where now they have scientific proof that there's there's reasons why we feel the feelings that we had because our our hormones and our neurons were all linking up together um that it just doesn't make you feel so alone and this idea of separateness um doesn't doesn't have to um penetrate everything that we do like in certain ways in our lives yes but when we go to that theater we're all in it together we're all one we're not just thinking about ourselves it's not just like thinking about me 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 you know it's not like being in film and television oh get my angles get me get my side blah, blah, blah. like it is more collaborative and it is more about um being there for each other and showing up for ourselves, but for um, also the sake of the work. Um, and that is, is noble and exciting to me and more interesting to me, honestly. <laughs> um, and I, and I just love doing it. And then it reminds me, oh, wait, that was, that was, that's right. That's my, that was my initial love from third grade. From third grade. Full circle. Oh, and I love that it's blooming in other ways. Like you're mm -hmm. like you're writing and um you just directed your first play this mm -hmm. past year. Mm -hmm. So like forgot about that. that you was... wouldn't have been able to do that had you not had a grounding in your acting, you know? I mean you could have, but that was so a... that was a wonderful experience also. And I, I learned a lot about myself through that too. Um and I want to do more of that. You're right. I forgot. I want to do that. <laughs> you're doing it, boo. You're doing it. I want it. to do more of that. Yeah, you're going to. I teach the kids and we always do like an icebreaker question every every time we meet. And we're like, what's the question this week? And it was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or do you have any ideas? Some of them are like seven, literally. And they're like, Amanda, what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of doing it. <laughs> That's, like, like, that's a great feeling. Yeah, it is kind of a cool feeling. Like I was always like, I, I want to be an actress. I want to be an actress. And it's like, I'm actually doing it. Um, do I have goals and wants and uh, for me and my career past what I have now? Yes. Um, but am I, I get to do it. I get to do it in class and I get to teach it. And I've, I've done some 
professional stuff that I'm really, really proud of. And, um, and it's, it's still going. So it's nice to be able to, to say that, um, without being like, well, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not a famous actress yet, but you know, I'm still stressed. It's like, no, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm in the middle of doing it. <laughs> yeah. Like you know? I'm literally working on a scene right now. I'm working yeah, on a character. Like it's, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting. And I cannot wait to hear what you're going to do next. Cause you're going to do something next. Um, something's in the car. Can't wait to hear it too. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> we'll get the call or it'll be on stage. Right. Um, I end every episode with a little passing of the note, a passing of a love note for my previous guest. Oh. My previous guest, Claudia Casanova. She's a wedding planner and event planner in mm. Los Angeles. And um, she kind of just wrote her own little thing that she wanted me to share with you. Mm. She says, always trust your gut and remember this too shall pass, the good and the bad, Seinfeld. Uh so just soak in the good a little bit longer and let the bad just pass you by because it will and it's okay to cry it's not a sign of weakness but a sign that you are alive and you are feeling and that's pretty magical i mean i would say that hit a lot of things we talked about i know that's been the coolest thing about this i'm always like it's always on theme and no one even knows who i'm talking to it really is yeah that's cool well that was beautiful thank you claudia claudia yeah claudia. yeah and can you tell the audience where they can find you on socials or what have you oh uh sure i'm so bad about it um <laughs> um what are my socials i have instagram and it is perez av my middle name being Veronica. Um, what are other things that I'm on? I do. I don't go on Facebook. I have IMDb. Just look up my name. Uh, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> I don't have like a website or anything. No, so no TikToks. Oh my God, no. I always you say, feel, I like, feel too old for a TikTok. Well, we are. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like that's a Gen Z for sure. In fact, some Gen Z are even like, Ooh, I'm not sure I should be on here. Yeah. Instagram is queen. I still feel like it's not going to go anywhere. I do love me some Instagram. Um, but yeah, I always say like when I, yeah, when I have enough money, I definitely will be uh, hiring someone to do that. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Notes with Friends, hosted by me, Jody Moore Lewis. Please do not forget to like and subscribe. It helps boost the show in the charts. You can follow Notes with Friends on Instagram for our upcoming episodes. And I also would like to thank Robopop, aka Dan Emilio, for my music. Stay tuned next week for another inspiring episode. Have a great weekend. Bye bye.